Welcome to The Sale Ring, a podcast dedicated to real estate brokers, agents, and America's top auctioneers that keep the markets moving. Join your hosts, Sean and Trina, as they talk with most successful realtors, marketing and technology experts, investors, and influencers. This show is devoted to all industry professionals looking to up their game and stay up to date. Welcome to The Sale Ring. All right, Trina. So great weekend. Yeah. So. Uh, the Chiefs just won the championship Isn't that once crazy? again, two years in a row. Yeah. Andy headed to Tampa. Reed, Patrick Mahomes. Yeah. yeah. How about that? That's exciting. I watched the game last night. Apparently, you watched the game uh, last yeah. night. Yeah. I think probably three quarters of Kansas City watched the game mm-hmm. last night. Yeah. So, yeah. Yeah. Exciting stuff. Speaking of exciting stuff, we got an exciting show. Yeah today i'm kind of pumped up about this you know me i like land land management clearing brush mowing i'm, I'm kind of into that stuff mm-hmm. we got brian ballard with us in the studio brian's the owner of tall grass land management out of lathrop missouri and brian how are you i'm great thank you for having me today sean well thanks for coming in yeah. on this uh cold damp kind of drizzly weather outside that yeah. we're having welcome winter and I'm going to assume you couldn't do a lot of mowing, a lot of mulching and stuff today as wet as it is anyways. No, it's not a very good day for doing that type of activity. Yeah, exactly. Well, thank you, Divine Gods, for allowing us a pod show guest that you just put him out of work today by making it nice. moist outside. Don't say moist again. <laughs> Stop the recording right now if you're going to do that all day long. How did you get into land clearing, land management, land clearing? Tell me how you ended up in that industry. That is a great question. I got into doing the land clearing and land management portion of the industry after working in the utility industry. I've been in that for about 18 years I've also been a very avid hunter. I come from a farming background. My mom's side of my family does a lot of farming, so I kind of grew up in that atmosphere. Always been out the woods ever since I was a little kid. And then with having the experience of being in the utility industry and and being a part of a lot of that activity, I decided to branch out on my own. When you say your parents or your mother's family farmed, what areas? Where are you from or where did they farm at? My family originally came from a little town called Vandalia, Missouri. It's over near Bowling Green. Okay. Kind of the Hannibal area over in that yeah, northeast side of the state. That's pretty country over there. Hannibal? Okay. Mark you know Twain. It? No. I mean, I know Mark Twain and Hannibal because of that. And I know there's a national forest over there. That's the extent of my knowledge right there of that entire area. All yeah, right. Mark Twain National Forest yeah, is yeah. right there where... My family is, is yeah, from. There's some beautiful country over there. Mm-hmm. They still farm, still have land. Over oh, yes. There? Yeah. Oh, yeah. You get back over there much? Uh, not as much as I probably should, but we get over there at least once a year. So one of the things that I know about Brian is um, in addition to being a business owner, a former family farm and stuff, you're a veteran. Yes. Um, tell me a little bit about that. You have a veteran-owned business, and obviously you were in the military. What did you do in the military, if, as much or as little as you can talk about? So I was in the military from 95 to 2000. I served in the United States Navy Seabees. I was a part of NMCB 133, the Fighting Kangaroos. Nice. So nice. the Seabees, we build, we fight, can do. Yeah. 
So what, what, it, what? So I've heard CBs. I was in the military. I was a field artillery instructor. Tell me specifically, what is a CB? What 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 is their primary purpose or function? A CB can do everything. Okay. <laughs> okay. Wait. So is no, CB the just CB... the two letters, or are we saying C S E A B E E, like C and a bug? Well, two letters CB or CB like Citizens Man Radio? Okay. No, CB is in like the fighting CBs with John Wayne. Gotcha. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. You've seen the movie. Yeah. So the CBs are the construction division of the Navy. Okay. So, engineers. Mm-hmm. Well, I don't know <laughs> per se engineers, but a lot of the CBs go out. You have electricians, you have uh, plumbers, or the classification is UT. You have mechanics, you have operators, you have uh, steel workers. So you have a lot of those different factors, different trades. So the worker per se. Essentially, of the name. Mm-hmm. Okay. Interesting. Yes. When you're a CB, do you do one thing? Are you specialized in something or are you trained to do plumbing, electrical, construction? I mean, are, well, everybody has plumbing? their own craft that they learn to do. And then there's additional things on top of that for like if you're going to combat situations and stuff, you'll be tasked with helping do other things as well. But a lot of times what they do is they go in as support to help build, build camps and stuff like that to house other troops. Very cool. Very cool. Yeah. Did you enjoy that? Oh, it was a lot of fun. Yeah. See some country? A little bit. Yeah. Saw a little bit of England, Spain, mm. Guam, a lot of Gulfport, Mississippi. <laughs> Prior to all the hurricanes. One of those better than the other. <laughs> they were all fun. They were all enjoyable. Yeah. And had a good time. Had a lot of good guys that I served with. You know, I was a field artillery instructor and and did not see a lot of the country outside of the U.S., but I enjoyed it. It's uh, you work hard all month and then you go to Fort Sill, Oklahoma and blow a bunch of stuff up uh, Mm -hmm. that you're supposed to. Yeah, it's it's organized (laughs) on purpose. purpose. Yeah, it's a it's a great pressure relief valve, if you will. Uh, (laughs) When I came to work up here in, in Kansas City, I couldn't find an artillery unit to stay in. So. After about 21 years, I retired, and I just got out there in Oklahoma and moved up here. But, uh, yeah, I personally enjoyed it. I like the lifestyle. I like you the like discipline blowing things in up. it. And yeah. I like blowing things up. <laughs> nice. Yeah. When and where you're supposed to. Yeah. You know, as long as it's an organized Planned, event. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, I enjoyed it. You know, I didn't have a problem with it. I get a little frustrated sometimes. Not everybody's quite as disciplined as the military. So I, I feel like things kind of go in a certain place and, and life ought to be fairly uniform. And mm-hmm. But uh, I'm not near as bad as like, career military guys that spend 35 years and there is a drill sergeant or a, a first sergeant. Mm-hmm. And they're out here walking the streets with uh, the average consumer and it just frustrates the heck out of them because they're like oh tie your damn shoes you know but <laughs> they, hey i mean i'm not i've never been in the military and i feel the same way so stay on the right side when you're walking it's it's definitely <laughs> how a it good, it's yes. definitely a good education mm-hmm. you were destined for the military Trina. that's the problem <laughs> i missed my calling you missed your calling here Sorry. i am on the sail ring instead <laughs> <laughs> that's awesome <laughs> Tell your friends you get your information on the Sail Ring Podcast Show. So you're a veteran, you're a business owner, land management, land clearing. We'll talk a little bit about tall grass and kind of just what the vision is, how you establish that. 
some of the services that you provide? I mean, now you've made that obviously the the business decision. What did you envision doing when you opened the company? So my thought process when I opened this business was to provide something that not everybody's providing. I wanted to provide kind of a service to where it's almost like a large scale landscaping service for property owners mm-hmm. to where you we go in, we help the customer clean it up to their liking as far as removing smaller trees, brush, debris like that, helping clean up the fields, pastures, what have you, and then help them go back and replant it help it keep it sprayed down and then also to help offer services to help mow it and keep it maintained. So we wanted to do it as a practice, a a long-term goal to help landowners over time establish how they want to make a piece of land their vision per se. So to recap that, it's not just the services you're providing today as far as clearing, brush clearing, mowing, whatever, but maybe a management plan where you come back on a continual basis and you continue to maintain, to do the maintenance on the property afterwards. Yes, that's correct. Okay. Long-term, I mean, is that a, if you had a client, is that typically a six-month program? Is it is it annually? Is it for the next two years, five years? Or That's all based upon the client's wants and needs. So okay. we try to work with the clients on their schedule as far as how they want to progress with it everybody's needs and wants are different. A lot of it is based on finances. You, you're aware of that with being in the real estate business. Not everybody can afford to buy a property this year, but maybe the following year. So we try to work with the clients and help establish a program for them that fits their wants, their needs, and their pocketbook. So let's talk a little bit about specific services for a company of this type, brush hogging or mowing. Yes. You have equipment for that, and that's a service you provide. Yes, sir. Timber clearing, brush clearing, if there's if there's trees of, you know, up to a certain size. I mean, you would go in and clear lanes and, and clean up areas. I think a lot of times they call that like mulching or forestry mulching. Yes, it, that is a practice we use as forestry mulching. It is a form of land clearing. It's an eco form. So you're using one machine, one operator. You have less erosion because you're using smaller, lighter, lighter weight equipment. You're not using heavy equipment such as a dozer or a track hoe or something like that. Larger equipment, it's going to tear up the ground more. You're not pushing stuff into piles and then having to burn it or haul it off. You're not having to real refill holes from when you've pulled the, the root systems out. You go in, you mul- when mulching, you take the debris and it grinds it up on the spot. And then depending on how the customer wants it, you can grind it up finer or looser. Depending upon the circumstances, we try to grind it up as finely as possible for the customer. So that way there's less less mass on the ground and it will help it deteriorate and go back into the ground Without move, removing the root systems, it helps stabilize the soil so you don't have the erosion problems by keeping it sprayed and treating the stumps and then mowing back over. It will help die off and kill off the stumps over time so that you don't have the erosion problems and whatnot. Well, I like what you just said about 
less disruption to the soil, to the soil content, because a lot of these properties are not level. There's going to be water, moisture, much like this morning. There's going to be moisture running across them. Erosion control. When you do have like dirt work that needs to be done, excavator work, you have an excavator. Is that part of your business? No, not currently. So if you had excavator or dozer work that need to be done, do you outsource that? Yes, I usually do. Uh, low water crossing, you know, opening up an area with big timber, or something that needs to be pushed down or declared off. What about the house building that's going on right now? They're building new homes left and right mm-hmm. around here. Are you doing land clearing for that or preparatory work for it? Yes, we do do that. We will help go in and clear off a site for them to be able to survey it and then to be able to come back in and uh, dig for foundations and whatnot. And then that material is ground up. So whoever the excavator is doesn't have to try to stack it somewhere and then try to dig around it. They don't have to try to come in and, and have it hauled off. A lot of times you can't burn different different cities, different areas have restrictions on burning. And then you have to have fire watches and, and stuff like that. So uh, we've been working with a couple of contractors in the Kansas City area to go in beforehand and help grind up the material, makes it easier for their their people to come in and stake for the homes yep. or residences and then their excavators. It's easier for them to come back and dig it. I just noticed this morning, actually, I think I noticed it last week on 169 there in Smithville, where I live north of here. Um, they've went up on the top and it's in town, but there's an area, I'm going to guess uh, five, five to 10 acres where they've went in and they have mulched all of that and opened it up. That's been in timber for long time. I've been up there since 2007 and it's always just been in, in standing timber and those saplings, you know, mm-hmm. that come up everywhere. So mm-hmm. it's all opened up, which tells me they're getting ready to build right there. Yeah. Yes, possibly. What else? What are we missing about your company's services? Brush hogging, forestry mulching, as far as the equipment needs, is that the primary we services. also do a lot of CRP and pasture restorations okay. as far as going back in and helping people reestablish pastures that have kind of over the years have deteriorated or aren't as good as grasses. We'll go back in and, and redrill those and help people get those back up for livestock. Uh, CRP, we also help people who are looking to have their CRP fall out of contract that are wanting to renew it to help get them back established so they can put it back into contract within the qualifications of of the NCRS and the FSA. So, Brian, most of the seeding that goes on, is it um, like for a pasture, are you overseeding or are you clearing that off and, and planting it on a just a, a, a turned bed on, on the soil bed? It depends on the each piece of property is different. Okay. So what one customer's needs may be different than the other. Mm-hmm. Some pastures, they just need it overseeded. Uh, Some clients like to have it drilled. Drilling is a far more effective way of getting the seed to soil contact than just broadcasting. So it just depends on the customer, what their needs are and what their wants are. And as far as what shape their pastures or their CRP ground is in. What about spraying? Do you do a lot of spraying work? Yes, we do offer spraying as well to help control weeds as far as, you know, residual weeds that will come back, especially noxious weeds. Very good. I'm just taking a couple notes here because 
I actually have a farm. I've got one up in Gentry County. That, <laughs> You're like, oh, I need like, to call this guy to get this my stuff has, sprayed. <laughs> plants, grass, seed into spring. Yeah. So it's interesting because we've talked multiple times and about projects and things before that. And there's a couple things that I didn't know that you were doing, too. So I'll tell you what, let's take a little break. Mm-hmm. We need to hear from our sponsors. When we come back, what I'd like to do is I want to hear more about the equipment. I think there's a lot of people that have questions about equipment, how their equipment needs. Let's talk about forestry mulching and and skid steers and and some, to me, cool stuff. Trina's looking at me like you guys. I've got the blank stare (laughs) across the room. We'll be back in just a few (laughs) minutes with more from Brian Ballard with Tallgrass Land Management. Are you looking for heavy equipment but unsure where to start? Then you need to check out AuctionTime.com. Find great equipment has never been easier than bidding online at AuctionTime.com. What are you waiting for? Online auctions are closing every Wednesday. So register and start bidding today. AuctionTime.com, the way to buy heavy equipment. Crude oil, natural gas, coal. Buying and selling minerals is a breeze when you have the right energy professionals on your team. Mineralmarketing.com is a leading resource for America's mineral owners. Whether you're wanting to lease or sell your mineral rights, Mineral Marketing has you covered. Mineralmarketing.com, the oil and gas marketplace. Thinking about selling a real estate investment but worried about the taxes you'll have to pay? Property owners just like you have solved their tax issue with a Starker Services 1031 exchange. One call could save you a fortune in taxes. Call Starker Services today at 800-332-1031 or visit online at www.starker.com and keep the tax dollars working for you. Ever dream of owning a country estate, historic home, or lakefront property? Log on to unitedcountry.com. Would you like to retire to a home built on breathtaking acreage in the mountains? Unitedcountry.com. Ever dream of your own private hunting preserve? UnitedCountry.com. Over 30,000 farm, recreational, and lifestyle properties are just a click away, helping people find their American dream for over 90 years. We will help you find yours. Log on now to UnitedCountry.com and find your freedom. And we're back in the studio with Brian Ballard, Tallgrass Land Management. Great company Uh, name for what you do. I like it. It is, yeah. Tallgrass. Perfect. That's, That's catchy. Yeah. Thank you. So you do all your own artwork and do you do all that or do you have somebody lay it out? I actually uh, used a company, a uh, big shout out to Corey Gentry with Wampus Graphics. They helped us design our logo. They help us do our uh, artwork and everything. Very great company. Wampus. Wampus. Wampus, Wampus Graphics. Where are they out of? Liberty. Out of Liberty. Nice. Yeah. All right. Well, check very that out. We'll put that Wampus Graphics. We'll put that in the show notes. Yep. If you give me a pen, we will. Pin is delivered. Brian, before we broke for uh, commercials, we were talking just a little bit about equipment, and I'd love to follow up on that. I think a lot of people have questions about brands. I mean, which skid steers for forestry work? I mean, which is Ford best? Is GMC? No, I'm joking. <laughs> yes, uh, <laughs> I have a Chevy. What kind of skid steer do you drive out there? <laughs> That's the um, argument that will never end. Nope. True. <laughs> and, you know, in all of our best interest, 
it because it keeps the pricing model down because there's multiple brands. It, it, sh- yeah. it should never uh-huh. end. Exactly. Could you imagine if there was only Ford and there was no competition mm-hmm. or only GMC and nobody else? They can charge what they want to charge, right? Well, yeah. they already charge enough. Yeah. Oh, yes. Yeah. I'm talking to you, Amazon. <laughs> Sean, you just Walmart. bought a new truck. You know. You know I how do much know. they cost. It's crazy. You know it cost a bunch. Talking to you, Amazon and Walmart. <laughs> Selecting the right skid steer. So let's talk about brands right out of the gate. And I'll just I'll name a few that I'm aware of that make skid steers. Uh, Bobcat, Kubota, mm-hmm. uh, John Deere, Caterpillar. Which I believe you have. Yes. Caterpillar. What's the there's JCB, but then there's another one. What's the other acronym? ASV. ASV, yeah. Yes. Uh, that one's gotten really popular. I see quite a few ASVs in this industry, in land clearing, in the forestry industry. Case, New Holland, uh, Gale. There's different types of skid steers out there, but are they all pretty much on a level playing field, Brian, or are there some that make skid steers specifically for forestry work so yes there are some brands that make them set up specifically for land management or forestry mulching type work asv and caterpillar are two of the biggest that do that they both have models that are set up for forestry mulching they have the specific guarding cooling packages, fire suppression systems, different aspects like that for working in those wooded, dusty, woody environments that a lot of the other brands don't have. Not saying that any one is better or worse than the other. It's just like the Ford and Chevy. You know, everybody has their specific one that they like better than the other. Mm -hmm. You know, some people over time switch from one to the other as well. The biggest thing for me when I was selecting a machine was availability, dealer network, Mm -hmm. parts. I don't care what type of equipment you have. It's going to break eventually. It's all man-made. It's going to break down. So dealer network, parts service. Those are the key things to look at when purchasing a machine, whether that be a skid steer, a tractor, what have you. Well, let's talk about that just a little bit. I grew up in the custom harvesting industry. My dad was a custom harvester and and my family, and I grew up custom harvesting. He did that for over 40 years. You know, that was the family business. One of the things that we looked for in equipment when we were purchasing it was the location or proximity to dealers to servicing in the areas where we cut wheat. And that's from Texas all the way to North Dakota every year. Alice Chalmers, you know, they had a lot of dealerships up through that area and and the availability was was there. Some of the newer companies at the time, I can remember when Kloss, Mm -hmm. if you're familiar with Kloss Combines, when they first came on the scene, the problem is, is there wasn't a lot of Kloss dealers out there. And time's money when you're in the field and you're working for somebody and you have a window of opportunity to harvest, to make money, mm-hmm. uh, something breaks down. You want to be able to get that service or get the parts you need to get back up and running as quick as possible. So I love the fact that you brought that up. I did not put that in the show notes. I didn't think about that. But that's very important is the proximity to the dealer when you're buying any type of equipment. Mm-hmm. Well, not only in your regional area, but if you start looking at, okay, so if I start venturing out of my regional area to say Oklahoma, Nebraska, Iowa, if I'm stuck somewhere and I get in a pinch and I get broke down, who am I going to be able to call to get me a part? 
Who am I going to be able to have somebody come out if it's something major? Who am I going to be able to get a hold of on the phone to have somebody come out, service tech, and look at it or get it to a dealer to get it fixed? And or what is the availability if this thing's going to be in the shop? Yeah. Hopefully you don't have nothing major go on, but it's a possibility at some point in time as the hours gain on that machine. What am I going to do? Are they going to be able to rent me one? You know, downtime. Yeah. Downtime's a huge thing. If you're on this tight on schedule, schedule and you're, you're, wanting, off, yeah. you're wanting to try to get somebody's property taken care of, weather plays a factor in all this mm-hmm. a lot. So if you're trying to beat some weather and if you have something go wrong, who are you going to be able to call to get it thing fixed or serviced or whatnot? I'm sure these skid steers that you buy today have as much new integrated technology in them as any other piece of equipment. You know, if you're like me, if it's just old school, I need to put a new hydraulic line on. I need to, you know, fix a bearing or put a track on. I can figure that out. But if it's technology driven, I'm not going to fix it anyway. So I'm going to have to have a service tag come do that. The equipment industry, tractor industry, automotive industry, they've all become so computer driven. Mm-hmm. So many of the, these pieces of equipment have so much electronics on them that not saying that the average guy can't work on it, but they don't necessarily have the software abilities yeah. to hook up and link to it as what your service dealers or some of the independent shops that do work for stuff. It makes perfect you know? sense. Yeah. Let's talk a little bit about equipment that how they're equipped when you're buying one. So I'm going to say your preference is you said Caterpillar and, and ASV and you selected a Caterpillar skid steer. Yes. Cab or no cab? Oh, you have to have a cab. Okay. Why? Tell me why you, you have need a, lot a cab. Of, you have a lot of debris that's that's floating around in the air. Not only when you're using these grinding heads, these mulching heads, you're going to have stuff that will kick back. It'll hit something. It'll kick it back or an adjustment to the head while you're trying to come down on a tree. It will kick it back at the cab. If you didn't have the protection of the ballistic glass or ballistic doors or anything like that on one of these machines, it would severely injure you, if not kill you, if you tried to run it without an enclosed cab. This isn't just about convenience. This is about safety. Safety Safety is the number one thing. That is the number one thing in my business is my safety and the property owner's safety. If they've got livestock, kids, you know, you're working in a residential area, you have neighbors and stuff, you want to make sure that you have equipment that is in good order and will function correctly, but also that you can also set up safety barriers to keep people out of the area so you don't hit them with flying debris or objects. The Sale Ring, online at www.thesaleRing.com. We talked a little bit about the the carriage system underneath these tracks versus wheels. I see some of the skid steers have wheels, even out in the forestry fields, you know, or in farm environments. Yours, I believe, has tracks on it. Yes. What's the decision over tracks versus wheels? So the reason I went with a track machine, and a lot of people have gone to track machines over wheeled machines, especially when you're doing land work or dirt work, it's the same principle of like a dozer. You have more earth contact with tracks. You're going to be able to to move easier if you're pushing, especially dirt work if you're pushing, you have that much more contact with the ground versus the minimal amount that you're going to have with a tire machine. So you're going to have a, a better footprint 
also with that, you don't have to worry about flat tires. Mm-hmm. True. Yeah. A lot of this stuff, you know, a lot of honey locust have the real long thorns. They yeah. go through tires pretty easily. Yeah. And coming from a farm background, you know just as well as anybody. How many tractor tires have you replaced? Too or, many. Or had to fix Too flats. Many. You know, the other thing, surprisingly enough, that goes through a, a farm tire once in a while, you see it a lot in tractors and fields, are antlers, deer antlers. Oh, yeah. They yep. run an antler through the side of the tire. They, they run over it and it pops up and punctures the sidewall on the tire. An old fence post. An old fence post, yeah. There's a mm-hmm. lot of stuff. So tracks, you have less downtime, less opportunity for flat tire, obviously, using tracks. And then you had mentioned earlier about the amount of disruption to the soil, to the ground, and that wider ground contact. I'm going to assume where tires may be spinning, causing ruts out there, tracks a lot of times will just... Well, you you have a less footprint, less ground pressure footprint with a track system than you would with a tire system. Because you're spreading the weight of that machine throughout the whole entire track that's on the ground versus the two points or four points with a tired machine, especially when you start to get into softer areas. A lot of track machines can work in softer areas better than a tired machine can. So you're not going to rut it up as bad. not saying you still won't cut ruts, but you're not going to have the impact as the wheel loader will. Less less opportunity for that to happen. Less opportunity to tear ground up, yes. Also the hydraulics. So in a minute, I want to talk about mulching heads, forestry heads. I did a little research because I don't own a forestry mulcher. Somewhat familiar. I've ran skid steers and I understand the operations of them. But I did some research about high flow, high volume or high capacity, high flow hydraulic systems. Those are almost a must for any type of a mowing apparatus because of just the, the amount of hydraulic fluid that it takes and the pressure to spin, you know, the blade on those. It says that a hydraulic flow or high flow should be between 26 to 40 gallon per minute and that it should run somewhere between 3,000 to 5,000 PSI. Anything to add to that? Like when you were purchasing yours, uh, is that one of the things you considered with the Caterpillar that you bought, whether it was a high flow system or not? A lot of it depends on the attachments. It's whatever the hydraulic demand for that attachment is. So you'll have some attachments that don't require a 30 to 40 gallon per minute flow. Um, and then you'll have other attachments like the forestry heads and a lot of your uh, brush cutters like brush hog attachments for a, for a track machine or for a skid steer. Some of those will require a low flow or standard flow, and others will require high flow. The big difference that I've noticed is the blade tip speed. Okay. Is the, the how fast it turns it as far as, you know, your flow difference. Obviously, so, faster is better. Faster yeah. is better. Yeah. Um, but also, too, a lot of it is is operator <laughs> dependent. What is his needs? What is his what is his capabilities? Um, not everybody, not everybody who sits in the seat and pulls on those joysticks is the same. Everybody's different. Yeah. So also, much like a circular saw, if you're cutting a piece of wood, the harder you press on it, the more you're slowing that blade down mm-hmm. and putting too much pressure on that hand device, right? Yes. So in this skid steer, <clears throat> if you're cutting a tree, 
you know, you're sawing through a tree, obviously you want to let the blade and the tip do the work and eat through it instead of trying to force it through there. That's because correct. I can I can hear those machines and the motor on those machines powering down, how you can feel them pulling down while you're you're leaning into that. Yes. And then with the higher flow machine, it does benefit and then the higher pressure helps benefit for recovery. So as you power as you're eating into a piece of wood or a tree, what have you, as you're lowering your RPMs, you'll hear it and you'll feel it in the head. You're when you come back off of it to let it catch back up, that's where your pressure differences help. It helps the re with the recovery time. So the gotcha. more pressure that you have in a system, the easier it is for it to recover. Quicker. Quicker, yes. Gotcha. You could literally hear that in the machine when it's running. It's it's hard. If you've ever heard wood chippers outside, yep. you know, mm -hmm. where they're throwing logs in there, yeah. you ever hear like when they just throw a bunch of rubble in yeah, the end of that thing? How, yes. oh, how yes. it just, it bogs it down, but then it, it comes back once it eats through it. And same principle. Yes. You're, you're putting pressure and wear on the hydraulic pump, on the motor. And, and so the recovery time is important. Yes, as far as as far as speed, as far as being able to get the job accomplished in a in a more reasonable, faster amount of time. So let's talk a little bit about those heads. You mentioned the heads, and I found two different types of heads. There's disc mulchers and there's drum mulchers. Yes, you're familiar with both of those, and yes. you you use a I use a drum style, a drum style, which is very similar to the same style that they use for clearing right aways. It will help grind up the material finer versus a disc mulcher it doesn't throw the material out as far as what a disc mulcher will do a disc mulcher is a great tool if you're in a very wide open area and you're not worried about your discharge size of your material a drum mulcher will help grind it up a little finer break it down it better again. than what a disc mulcher will they're both great implements it just depends on which, you know, not saying one is better or worse than the other. It's like, again, depending on the circumstances, the conditions, and the operator's preference. I had a guy explain to me one time that the disc is more of a cutter and the drum's more of a mulcher. Yes. He said, you know, a disc will out, if you're just going out to just start sawing trees down and cut a path, a disc will outperform the drum because it can cut bigger diameters out there. And it's just, like you said, it's it's taking big old bites. and But the residue that's left, it's not near as clean. You know, it's just taking big old chunks out of a tree. I think I'm reading a little bit in the show notes that disc mulchers could uh, have a larger cutting capacity up to 14-inch trees is how some of those are rated whenever they sell them, where the drums may go up to an 8 to a 9-inch tree. But if you think about a nine inch tree, that's a pretty good size yeah. tree. Yes. And if you get into a lot more mature trees than that, I'm going to assume, Brian, I don't want to talk, you know, out of turn. You tell us if I was having an area cleared for maybe just a home, a home site, I may want to leave some of the larger trees yeah. out there and kind of clean the brush up and mm -hmm. make trails through it and, you know, clean that area. You up, want so. to give it the park like effect. Yeah. Yeah. And that's what we try to encourage is to leave your more larger, mature trees. Not saying that you want to take every little bitty one yeah. out, but it helps to clean up some, a lot of the underbrush, the brambles, the briars, mm -hmm. the, the unwanted stuff that, you know, you don't want to walk through. Yeah. So larger trees, 
you're going to want to leave those, especially if you're wanting to build a residence, you want the shade. Yeah, there's nothing more frustrating than seeing a brand new development and, you know, the little sticks they have for trees everywhere. I'm like, man, your energy bills are crazy. That's retarded. I can't believe that. Especially when it was a nice forested area, you know, beforehand. It's like, you couldn't leave a single one of those, really? Came in and clear cut the whole thing. That's great. That's me. That's just me. (laughs) (laughs) I like it. Yeah. I like, I like your trees. opinionated viewpoint on that. Hey, you know, I have opinions on everything. Sean, just ask. Uh, I already know. <laughs> I don't need to ask. And with that, we'll slip away. We'll hear from our sponsors one more time. We're going to come back. Brian, I want to talk a little bit about land management practices. I've, uh, I've got just about five or six steps. I want to just run through with you. Uh, we're kind of starting to tail off here in the show. Let's hear from our sponsors. We'll be back in just a few minutes. Ever dream of owning a country estate, historic home, or lakefront property? Log on to unitedcountry.com. Would you like to retire to a home built on breathtaking acreage in the mountains? Unitedcountry.com. Ever dream of your own private hunting preserve? Unitedcountry.com. Over 30,000 farm, recreational, and lifestyle properties are just a click away, helping people find their American dream for over 90 years. We will help you find yours. Log on now to unitedcountry.com and find your freedom. Thinking about selling a real estate investment, but worried about the taxes you'll have to pay? Property owners just like you have solved their tax issue with a Starker Services 1031 exchange. One call could save you a fortune in taxes. Call Starker Services today at 800-332-1031 or visit online at www.starker.com and keep the tax dollars working for you. Are you looking for heavy equipment but unsure where to start? Then you need to check out AuctionTime.com. Find great equipment has never been easier than bidding online at AuctionTime.com. What are you waiting for? Online auctions are closing every Wednesday. So register and start bidding today. AuctionTime.com, the way to buy heavy equipment. Crude oil, natural gas, coal. Buying and selling minerals is a breeze when you have the right energy professionals on your team. Mineralmarketing.com is a leading resource for America's mineral owners. Whether you're wanting to lease or sell your mineral rights, Mineral Marketing has you covered. Mineralmarketing.com, the oil and gas marketplace. So we're back in the studio. While we were on break, we were talking about just everything you know it's really a longer break than what you guys are (laughs) you know pricing models individual services consolidation but one of the things that brian that you said you're working towards is you would envision kind of being a little bit more of a one-stop shop Mm -hmm. yes there's some things you mentioned a friend of yours that is a wildlife biologist where you know you outsource that portion but when they come in and they create maybe a habitat plan on the property you actually do the servicing of that, the, the on the ground work, if you will, clearing, you know, brush mowing, mulching and stuff. So let's talk a little bit about land management. I think because of the nature of that previous conversation, let's talk specifically about wildlife habitat. Mm-hmm. So we were talking about clearing land for houses and commercial yeah. and things like that before. Let's talk about wildlife habitat. Mm-hmm. First thing you got to do when you come out is figure out 
what you want. You got to create the list of goals and objectives out there before you can write the plan and go to work, right? Yes. Yes. Definitely get with the landowner. You want to see what their vision of the property is. Mm -hmm. Gotcha. Listen to their wants and their needs and help assist them with turning it into the property that they envision. It's not about what my vision is. It's about what the landowner's vision is. So if the landowner wants something more for wildlife, then we gear our program more towards that. Mm -hmm. If they're just wanting it cleaned off, we gear it towards that. It's all based on landowners' needs, landowners' wants, their vision, how they want their property to look. We're just simply a steward to help them accomplish that. So once that's done, and what's a normal turnaround time for something like that? You know, for say, um, I contact you today and and say, you know, I just, I'd like to have more deer. I'd like to have more birds, more quail, more pheasant, whatever. Uh, When can you come out and meet with me? We set the appointment and from that step forward to develop a plan. Am I usually, is it a week out? Is it a month out for us to survey the property, survey it by just inspecting it? and developing some kind of a wildlife habitat improvement plan mm-hmm. on the property. It's A lot of it is dependent upon, like I said, the, the customer's needs and wants and their vision. A lot of times sourcing with other people, wildlife biologists, mm-hmm. people who are more specialized in some of those areas. Sometimes that takes a little bit longer time to get with them, maybe have them come out and look at the habitat with you to help you develop a plan for the landowner. It's all dependent upon time and specific needs and wants. So we develop that plan. And then once you go to work, um, I wrote down just a few things about identifying the objectives, developing the plan, a few things that may be in that plan that you can help with. So now the biologist has done his work or the person laying the plan out has done their work. Remove and control noxious weeds and non-native invasive plants and species. Spraying or actually physically removing some of those because sometimes they have, um, trying to think of one like in grass pastures, Russian thistle. That stuff runs wild. So you want to actually get the thistle plant. Besides spraying a plant is not always the best strategy because even if that plant dies, the seeds that are in the pod will reseed out there around mm-hmm. it. So you want to physically remove the plant in the in those areas. Yes. Same as like bush honeysuckle. That is very a very invasive, very noxious weed. It's very hard to get rid of, but it's also something that takes a lot of time. Mm-hmm. It's not just a I'll spray it, it dies, and then I'm gone. That stuff comes back inevitably. Yeah, It drops all them little berries and it reseeds a lot. It's a lot of noxious weeds. It takes time to get rid of them. It's not just a spray and done. Um, A lot of it takes spraying. It takes pulling root systems. It takes keeping it mowed down, you know, but it takes time. So none of this is just a... um, I'm here today, gone tomorrow, and it's and your problem's fixed. A lot of this takes time. Uh, we like to help develop plans over time with landowners to help them minimize so that to reduce the stuff trying to come back. You're talking to a guy that spent his childhood pulling rye out of wheat fields. You know, hard red winter wheat, it, let's say that it grows maybe hip high. That's mm-hmm. about how tall the wheat crop will. Rye grows another one to two foot above that. It's a very similar 
type of a grain. Rye looks very similar to wheat. However, mm -hmm. the stem on it gets so you have to walk out in wheat fields and you have to pull that up, you know, and fold it up and put it in the sack. And, and, and we use rye as a cover crop all the time. Yeah. <laughs> Back in the old days, if you found rye, I mean, we used to make dollars by the hour going and pulling rye out of wheat fields as kids. You just, you'd, and you couldn't drive in there and get it because you knock too much wheat down. Yeah. You've got to walk through it. Still knocking a little bit down, but the, trust me, getting that rye out was the most important thing to those farmers. Mm -hmm. Why? Because when they cut the wheat and you haul, if they get that species, if rye overtook that wheat field, you're going to have a bunch of it in the grain trucks. Mm -hmm. And they pull a sample out of the grain trucks but at the elevator, you get docked. Mm -hmm. yep. So if it's got rye in it, they have to go through a process to screen and to, to clean that it. out yep. of there. Mm -hmm. And if they, yeah, and if they have to do that, they're pre-charging the farmer on mm -hmm. every truckload that comes in. They dock you on that grain. So, yeah. and it just continues. I think about Russian thistle. You spray it and it's dead. The next thing you do is you go out there, you know, early, late winter, you know, early spring, you mow that pasture. You hit the Russian thistle. It's got those big old pods in it. All you're doing is broadcasting that seed. Mm -hmm. You're just reseeding your pasture with Russian thistle. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Even if you kill the plant, you're spreading the seed. But if you continually keep it mowed down once or twice a year, it won't grow to the size to where it can get the head. Correct. It won't and produce then, the pods in the And won't place, produce yeah. the pods so that when you go late season and try to mow it when it's four foot tall. That's right. That's going to release it all. So, so there's keep some strategies mowed. to keep it from growing and maturing out there. And I think they've got some herbicides now that's developed to try to target that. Yes. With an application of herbicides and mowing, you can generally can control most all your no obnoxious weeds. Not saying it's going to be the be all end all, mm -hmm. but a lot of times if you keep up with that stuff, you can keep it knocked down to where you can revitalize your pastures, especially if you have horses or cattle yeah. or, or whatnot. Brian, I can't tell you how informative all of this has been. It's been tremendous yeah. wealth of information. And uh, we're kind of getting down towards the end of the show. What I'd like to do is to make sure that the listeners have um, at least your contact information. They know how to find you. So tell them how to find Tallgrass Land Management if they have more questions or want to pursue this a little bit further. So if you'd like to get a hold of us, uh, one of the easiest ways to get a hold of us is you could call us directly at 816-529-0895. And that's my direct number. I will always answer it. If I'm not available, leave a message and I will get back to you as soon as I can. You can also find us on Facebook at Tallgrass Land Management LLC, or you can find us on the World Wide Web at www.tallgrasslandmgmt.com. Nice. Very good. That's Tallgrass Land Management, Brian Ballard. Find them on the web at tallgrasslandmgmt.com. We'll put that in the show notes, mm -hmm. and we'll have links to the other uh, equipment types, forestry mulching heads. There'll be a lot of links, a lot of great information. Brian, once again, we want to thank you for being in yeah. the studio today. And Trina, yes. I think that is I think it's a wrap. show. Yeah. She says that's a wrap. So thank you very much for having me. I really appreciated it. Yeah, thank you, you very bet. much for coming. Ladies and gentlemen, that's it for this episode of the Sale Ring. Make sure and tune in next time. We'll see you inside the Sale Ring. 
this episode has ended, but your journey to greatness continues. To access all resources and links mentioned in today's show, head over to www.thesailring.com now. That's www.thesailring.com.